Welcome to Devils Talking Padres. Padres just dropped a three-game series in Los Angeles, but unlike the last one, the Padres did get a game, and I don't want to say they came close to taking the series, but on Sunday Night Baseball, the Padres actually put up a really good fight late in the game before the game really got away from them. Uh, you know, another series against the best team in baseball, essentially, for the Padres. Handed them their biggest loss of the season and their biggest loss in three years, so... It, it started off well on Friday and then it quickly turned sour. I'm Dominic Stern joined by Bobby Murphy. Bobby, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dom. Great to be back talking Padres baseball, of course. But yeah, I mean, disappoint. I mean, I don't say disappointing series. I would more say disappointing after they won the first game. But that first win of the series felt so good. It was a great one to win. Of course, I mean, winning the first one just gives it sets a good mood for the rest of the dugout. But of course, the lost the last two and the one on Sunday, I mean, they could have had, had some breaks go, go the opposite way. But other than that, just, I mean, a tough series that just shows how, again, how much the Dodgers are better than the Padres and how, how much better they really are all together. In and every it was fun. In the game. It was funny because David Cohn, uh, one of the analysts on Sunday Night Baseball, I didn't want to, go through the effort of syncing up Jesse Agler's broadcast to the national broadcast. So I just had it on. It's not a great broadcast booth by any stretch of the imagination, but he was mentioning the Pythagorean win loss based on how many runs they've scored and how many runs they've allowed. And they've actually underperformed based on how many runs they've scored. I mean, if you look at it, a lot of their wins have been extremely dominant. That's what I kind of mentioned last podcast. They are so much better than some of the other Dodger teams we've seen in the past couple of years. Freddie Freeman really has made that big of a difference. And I mean, they got blown out game one. And I mentioned it also on the last podcast, they were flying across the country that evening before they looked sluggish in game number one. I, I said the Potters needed to jump out and take game one. That's what they did. Got blown out in game two with Manai on the mound, which we will talk about. And then game three was a one run game in the seventh. And then it absolutely unraveled after that point. We'll also talk about that, but I mean, I I felt like the Padres did what they needed to do. I feel like they showed that when they're at their best, they can absolutely compete with the Dodgers in the playoffs. When things aren't going right, which is oftentimes what we see in the playoffs, the Dodgers show their dominance and they show their teeth. And if the Padres want to make it in the postseason, and when they do, they're probably going to have to play the Dodgers. They're going to need to play perfect baseball if that matchup does happen. So, I mean, I, I don't want to be the guy that's like, all right, well, the Padres lost a series, but I'm happy with how it happened because, you know, the Padres need to win their games that they're in. Although they have moved up into that second wildcard spot in front of the Phillies. They, I thought I, I was impressed by what I saw from the Padres. Game number two was awful, but I, I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, like game number one, of course, Darvish is just amazing performance. Seven innings shut out with nine Ks against the best lineup in baseball, followed by a Manny, a Drury, and a pro for a home run. That was the, the Padres' entire offense that game. But four hitter against the Dodgers was just the right way to start the series. And like you said last episode, many times flying across the country, Friday is the game to win for the Padres, and, and that's exactly what they did. But the rest of the series, I mean, Sunday's game, we saw some fight from the Padres and. Later, late in the game, Marejo kind of just let it get out of hand, and the Dodgers extended their lead to 
two and then five after that Trey Thompson just dagger moonshot of a home run. But obviously this would be a lot different if the Padres had lost on Friday, but they won the game that we needed them to win, that we wanted them to win the most. And overall, I mean, disappointing. I don't say, I do want to say disappointing series because of course they lost the series, but they didn't get swept to the Dodgers. And I mean, that's kind of just the bare minimum when you play them, just don't get swept and our morale will not be destroyed. Yeah, this Dodgers team, at least. And it, it wrapped up the road trip. They went six and three. I mean, that is a positive road trip, no matter how you spin it. Taking two out of three against a bad Royals team, a bad loss that Sean Manaya pitched, and then uh, going out and sweeping the Giants, essentially ending their season, and then just taking one from the Dodgers. I, I thought it was a really good road trip. I thought they showed what they kind of needed to show on Sunday night baseball. Obviously there's still that gap that they really need to close, but they've got a month. If they get in, they still have six more games against the Dodgers, all of which are at Petco park. Uh, I, I, I believe. And I mean, obviously like that's kind of the, the fan coming out, but I mean, they went out, dominated them in a game, showed that, Hey, if we perform even close to perfectly, we can absolutely kill any team. And we've seen that from the Potters that they do really well when they've had the lead and that they're good front runners. I've seen that a lot on Twitter and I definitely agree with that. And then you saw, Hey, if things go really wrong, they're not good enough to overcome that. Then you saw them fight on Sunday. And unfortunately uh, a really bad call. I don't want to say ruined any chance at a comeback, but took, took the bat out of the hands of Trent Grisham. It was a bad call. And the next time the Potters were up, they were down by six. So, it, or they were down by five, excuse me. It's just one of those things that uh, sometimes the things that you can't control go wrong. And then you look up and all of a sudden uh, it's gone. So uh, I, I, I left impressed with the Padres. Obviously, said game two was bad. Uh, Sean Manai is not going to be pitching against uh, playoff competition. If the Padres do get there, they need to get there. That's the reality of it. And I think that's where we should start, Bobby. Do the Padres need to take Sean Manaya out of the rotation or at least maneuver the rotation so he's not pitching against the Dodgers in this upcoming series? Yeah, well, what I think, I mean, one of the options could just be move Nick Martinez back to the rotation, but I would much rather see him in the bullpen. Of course, Nick Martinez would probably do better right now that Manaya is doing in the rotation, but I also want Nick Martinez's arm to be healthy for the playoffs because he will, of course, will be out of the bullpen in the playoffs. He'll be one of the biggest high leverage guys in the Padres bullpen for the playoffs. And I don't want to see his arm get shot after throwing five, six innings a game for the last month of the season when we need, when the Padres need him a lot more in the playoffs. But then there's the side of Manaya where he has just been getting absolutely wrecked every single time he gets out there getting hit hard and he just is he he's just a liability out there on the mound unless if there's any other options i mean reese canair could be a starting option but again it's just any anything right now would be better than shamanaya but i think that he should honestly stay in the rotation i do like what you think about having him just skipping him for the dodger series i mean maybe at that point you do a bullpen game or something i haven't looked at if we have an off day or anything off on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off on Monday. So they get a day off before and after the next Dodgers series. So I would not be opposed to a, like a bullpen day for Manaya. It looks like he would be starting that first game on Friday, 
this net this coming week. But right. if the Padres decide to make that a bullpen game, or even just do Darvish Friday with more rest or Manaya Wednesday. I mean, I don't know how much rest you'd really get. That'd be four days, so that wouldn't work. But a bullpen day for that first game in place of Manaya, and then just kind of maybe push him back a start. But then, actually, no, then Snell can still be pitching Sunday. But a bullpen, sorry, yeah, a bullpen start, I would like to see just so Manaya does not have to pitch against this lineup ever again. In my right. Life. And I mean, I think the problem is, is that they didn't do the bullpen or at least shift Manaya away from the series to start it. I mean, because now you have them lined up on Friday and then maneuvering that gets a little weird. The Padres do have an off day on Thursday. So theoretically you could move up Clevenger and Snell. They'd each be pitching on four days rest as well as Musgrove. Not ideal, but I mean, these guys, they got to bear down. I mean, these guys have worked their entire lives to pitch for a chance to win a championship in October. And if you go and tell them and say, Hey, we need you to pitch on four days rest instead of five days rest because the off day, they will do it. Obviously, there's a lot of risk involved. They're not going to be as fresh. Uh, their arms are going to be more prone to potentially being injured. But I mean, if that's what they got to do, those guys will absolutely step up and do it. Uh, but then, I mean, the problem is if you move Manaya around, you're going to have them facing a Seattle lineup, which is not the Dodgers lineup, but is still really good. So there's really no winning. I think best case scenario, because I don't think you can just remove Manaya unless you want to put them on the injured list or something. Maybe you open with Reese Kinnear, have him go through one time and then have Manaya go a second time through the lineup or the second time. And then maybe if those guys are pitching well, you can try and push them like another inning or something. Not really sure. Get yourself through at least five, uh, not overkilling those guys. And you can use them a little bit. I'm not exactly sure. And then you can kind of go from there. It's, not a good situation because the Padres really have three really good starters right now. Mike Clevenger, who has been good for the most part, has not been good in his starts against the Dodgers. And then Manaya, who's been really, really bad. One of the worst pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, he's very clearly hurt. He's also not confident in himself. He doesn't look like he's having fun. Uh, Manaya has been like this kind of free spirited guy. And I know a lot of Padres fans don't know that because they didn't really get to see it this year with him. He obviously showed it a lot more earlier in the season, but when he was with the A's, I mean, Manaya is known for being one of the most fun guys in terms of like persona and as a person in all of baseball. And he looks like he is the most miserable person on the planet when he's on the mound right now. And obviously when you pitch bad, it's not fun, but the Potters need to find some sort of way to, Get, get the best out of him. And that may be not using him. And he, even he said that he said, I'm willing to do anything for this team. If that means I'm still starting, I will do that. If that means I'm coming out of the bullpen, I will do that. And he also said, if that means I'm not pitching, then I will also do that. It's because a guy who pitched for Oakland, he only got a very, very brief taste of the playoffs. Uh, 2018, they lost the wild card round 2019 he lost in the wild card. He was that pitcher against the race. And then in 2020, you know, they were able to move on past the White Sox in that three game COVID series, but then got absolutely shelled by the Astros. So, uh, you know, he's going to want any way he can pitch in October. And maybe Manaya ends up being a decent left handed arm. I mean, 
he hasn't been good as a starter. Not saying he can't be good as a reliever. If you throw him out of the bullpen, you're at least trying something new. Uh, the definition of insanity is expecting different results while not changing anything. And I mean, if the Padres don't try and make some adjustment with Manaya and expect him to just miraculously turn it around, uh, that's pretty unrealistic. And these next few weeks for this Padres team will just be huge. I mean, of course, they're still in a playoff spot. They are half a game ahead of the Phillies as of Sunday night. Phillies are two and a half ahead of the Brewers. So it's Padres, Phillies, Brewers, two of those the three teams will make it. And it'll likely be Padres, Phillies. And if the Padres can get the two seed, that'd be cool. I mean, there are 10 games behind the Braves for the first seed. So that's not going to happen. But these next two weeks for this Padres team are just going to be huge. Obviously, the whole next month. But the next two weeks, they're playing hot teams. I mean, either a playoff team or a hot team. The D-backs are next, who have just won eight out of 10. The Dodgers, who are one of the best teams I've ever seen and the best team in baseball. The Mariners, who have won, this is next week, but seven in a row and nine out of 10. And then the D-backs again at Chase Field, four-game series. And, I mean, that's 10 days away, but they're still looking hot right now. So this next series against the D-backs could be hard. I mean, Potterswell, Snell, Musgrove, Darvish. They avoid Zach Gallon. They'll see Merrill Kelly, but the D-backs are hot right now. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at this upcoming schedule like you just mentioned. I mean, I'm just going to reiterate it. Diamondbacks playing their best baseball of the year. Dodgers, best team we may have ever seen. Seattle Mariners playing insanely good baseball right now are a playoff team. Arizona, like we just mentioned, and at Chase Field, which I cannot reiterate enough, is just Padres hell. Uh, they played Butler this year, um, have won four of six, but um, I mean – Going there for another four-game series, yeah, you all know what's going to happen. And I is currently slated to start one of those games, obviously, way further down the yeah. line. The, the Cardinals playing their best baseball of the season. Playoff team, absolutely. The Rockies in Coors are a good team. In Coors, they're a good team. Outside of Coors, they're awful, one of the worst teams in baseball. But in Coors, they're a good team. The Dodgers, like we mentioned, just an absurdly elite team. The White Sox, all of a sudden, starting to play really good baseball, trying to get back in that AL Central race. And then the Giants, who are dead, but you never know. I mean, the Giants always play the Padres well, and, you know, they're going to be wanting to try and spoil the Padres if they got any shot to do so because uh, these division rivals don't like each other. So, And, and every single one of these teams, except for the Giants, and, I mean, the White Sox are currently seven games behind a wild card spot, so they're likely out, or very likely out. But, I mean... Every single there's not an easy series win in any of these ones. I mean, no. it's either a hot team or a playoff team, and the Padres just need to find some consistency over these next few weeks because we've seen we saw what happened last year, and I of course we're back we're in September and the Padres are currently a playoff team. Just keep it going for the next month. I mean, of course a series loss against the Dodgers. I mean, at least it wasn't a sweep. It wasn't as demoralizing as could be, but I mean, this next series will be huge if. I mean, I don't want to say just take a sweep because you can't really say that, especially against one of the hottest teams right now over the last two weeks. But two out of three is will have to be guaranteed for this Padres team. Well, not sorry, not guaranteed. Two out of three will have to be needed from this Padres team. Yeah, and I mean the White Sox are only two games out of the AL Central. You, you mentioned the oh. wild card, but they're oh. two games out of the okay. AL Central, so they're they're, they're right in the thick of things. The only two teams right now, as it stands, obviously things will change that are basically done. 
are the D-backs and the Giants. And the D-backs are playing absurdly elite baseball. Uh, like you mentioned, they avoid Zach Allen for the first series, which is huge because he's currently on, I think, one of the longest streaks in baseball history for consecutive scoreless innings. Uh, I'll pull up the numbers of what it is because – I think it's uh, 44 innings, like third longest streak ever or something. It's absolutely 40, 41 in the third innings. Yes. It's the eighth longest run without a run in baseball history. I was just reading straight off the Jeff Passon tweet. And Zach Allen has pitched really well against the Potters in the past. I've been at several of those starts in Chase Field. I'd like to not be at one of those when the Potters come to town in two weeks. But uh, the Potters have a lot of work cut out for them. and. We'll we'll see if they can get it done. And then Mike Clevenger, you know, in a tough spot, uh, he didn't have a bad start. And then in the fourth inning, things just collapsed. And is a play away from only allowing three runs. Uh, Jerks and Profar got a really bad read. Hassan Kim is not good at running back on fly balls. Uh, that's certainly an aspect where you miss Fernando Tatis Jr. to six foot four gazelle legs running back into the outfield, but uh, the, the Potters were so close to winning this game on Sunday Night Baseball, and the teeny tiny things really didn't go their way, but it is really nice to see an 85% chance that they're going to make the playoffs uh, next to that playoff simulator. Do I feel 85% confident the Potters are going to make the playoffs? Absolutely not, but... Uh, they, they've built themselves a nice enough cushion over the Milwaukee Brewers. It currently sits at three games that they have a little bit of breathing room. Uh, and they also have the Phillies who could also continue their free fall. They just got swept by the Giants. I mean, shout out to the Giants. Had lost seven straight, oh, no, that, just that, swept no. by the Padres and just turned around and swept the team that the Padres needed to lose. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll give a little hat tip to the Giants. Uh, that was absurdly clutch from a Padres perspective to get swept by the Padres and then sweep a team that they're in a playoff race with. So that was funny. I mean, you drop two out of three, but you lose no ground on the Brewers and you gain some ground on the Phillies. I mean, that is lucky, right? but it's I mean, also, you'll, you'll take that. Uh, the Padres are currently 13 games above 500. Uh, so, uh, I'm trying to do mental math here. It's not going to go well, but if the Padres uh, continue to play 500 or a little bit above 500 baseball, I think they should get it. But you just go go win the series against the Diamondbacks, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit because there's still some things I want to touch on from this Dodgers series. But teams suck coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, and Behold, the Potters are going to be coming off Sunday Night Baseball against a really young and confident team. So Monday is not going to be a good game. That's just my little teaser. But holy moly, on Sunday. Uh, so I'm an umpire. Obviously, I've prefaced that a lot on the show. Trent Grisham got absolutely robbed of an at-bat. That was as bad of a strike three call as I've ever seen. And it was a complete embarrassment. I mean, there's, I'm not going to hold back on an umpire. Uh, umpire's job is to make sure the game is played fairly and calling that on strike three essentially made it so that it wasn't Trent Grisham could have struck out on the next pitch and it may be a mute point. Trent Grisham also could have hovered on the next pitch 
And all of a sudden the Potters have the lead and it's a little bit of a different feel going into the bottom of the seventh inning. We don't know. And that's the problem is that it, the umpire absolutely just took the bat out of Trent Grisham's hand. And it was more frustrating that it was an inside pitch because as a home plate umpire, you line up on what they call the slot, which is halfway in between the batter and the catcher, just because it gives the umpire the most protection. And you're, you're trained. That's why the outside corner is tough to see. Uh, but you're lined up practically around the inside corner. So the fact that the umpire missed a pitch, and if you look on the MLB at bat pitch simulator, or I don't really know what to describe it as, but if you watch the pitch tracks, it missed that two-inch uh, boundary that MLB UA created some umpires on. And to miss it in that spot by that margin was horrible because Trent Grisham controlled what he needed to control. He picked up that it was a cutter and Evan Phillips has been absurdly elite for a a large portion of the season and especially of late. And that that cutter is a large reason why. And Grisham picked that pitch up and he saw, okay, this pitch is going to break off the plate. And it did. And the umpire called it a ball. And that that's the hard part is Grisham did everything right. It's not like he fouled it off and like, the umpire was in like a position where he blocked the fielder and like there was some stupid interference rule. Like Trent Grisham realized that pitch was going to break off the plate and he took it and the umpire still rung him up. And you, I mean, obviously, like I said, you, you can't like say, oh, well, if that pitch is called a ball, the Potters are going to win that game because that's incredibly wrong and incredibly irresponsible. But you just don't know. And when the Potters are in a playoff race like they're in right now, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and that would have made a 2-2 count. I mean, of course, there's two outs, but 2-2 count, two guys on base. Who knows? Maybe he gets walked. Maybe he strikes out. Maybe it's a home run. Maybe a single literally just ties it up. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was 5-4 at the time. And it just took the bat out of his hands. And I'm not going to lie, I haven't been opposed or anti, but I have never been been a huge fan, like the biggest fan of wanting robot umpires because I feel like it just changes the game too much. I mean, it changes the art of catching, of framing. But the more I see them over this year, last year, the more I now want robot umpires because now just awful taking the bat out of a batter's hand. I mean, obviously, if it was the other way around, I'd love it. I'd be happy with it. Calls go both ways. It just killed the Padres in this game the most. But calls like that, I mean, that egregious, that are just no doubt awful, are why... It makes me want robot umpires more. I mean, I just don't want the game to be changed too much. And that's why I've never been a huge advocate for robot umpires in the future. But that call on Sunday just made me go, wow. It's bad. No other way around it. And that's kind of all we need to talk about on that call. Uh, but Clevener wasn't good again. Uh, Marajon was really bad after his. So, I mean, I, I can't remember if the Saturday night baseball game against the twins was the last time Marajon pitched on national television, but he was horrible in that game against the twins and prior. And since then had only allowed a run in one outing. So hopefully it's a refresher for him. Uh, and he can start a new streak of not allowing any runs because the Potters need Marajon to be a really good left-handed arm because Tim Hill's been really good. Marajon had been really good. And he's a big part of 
this Padres team if they want to make a run and into the playoffs and potentially further into it. So let's look ahead to this upcoming series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Bobby and I have already kind of talked about it. The Arizona Diamondbacks are playing fantastic baseball. If you think that the Padres are just going to roll over this team that's below 500, I think you are sorely mistaken. And the Padres have played really well against the Diamondbacks this year, but they haven't played them since the All-Star break. And since then, the Diamondbacks are about seven games over 500. The rotation is starting to pitch really well. Their bullpen is fresher because of it. And they have some young bats that have been called up that are really, really good. Alec Thomas has been really good. Uh, Jake McCarthy has been really good for them. Corbin Carroll, top prospect in baseball, made his debut this past week. Uh, They have a lot of young talent. The Padres can't roll over against the Diamondbacks. And, I mean, I'm going to say it early. I I really hope that they can take two out of three because I'm I'm nervous. And a lot of Padres fans were cheering for the Diamondbacks this weekend against the Brewers. And, I mean, reasonably so. But with every win that the Diamondbacks got against the playoff team Brewers and earlier in this week, the playoff team Phillies, they're going to be more confident going to face the playoff team Padres. So kind of crazy that the downbacks in this run just played the Phillies, played them really well, and then just played the Brewers, played them really well, and now they're playing the Padres. So the the Diamondbacks are almost like single-handedly having like a direct outcome in this pennant race here in September. And teams that skip that honestly scare me the most are Teams that, I mean, the Padres just underestimate and put the Padres have in the past over the past few years, especially last year, underwhelmed against a lot of below average teams, below 500 teams and honestly mediocre teams. And I'm not going to say the D-backs are mediocre. I mean, over the season they are, yeah. But over the last two weeks, they've been playing great baseball and haven't been to a game in a while just because I'm busy. I don't have much interest in the Arizona Diamondbacks, honestly. But when they're here, I mean... Their future is exciting. I mean, I want to see Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas. I mean, in a few years, three, four years, Drew Jones. But this team over the next few years will be fun to watch. And it'll be even scarier for the Padres once this team could be good. And who knows if the Padres will be good in a few years. Obviously, anything could change over a quick, over a short time in baseball. But this is a hot team. And like you just said, they're going to be motivated. They just beat two playoff teams and they want to keep and they want to keep it going and this season strong and show what next season could hold. And they want to show that to the fans, to the organization and just real to the rest of the MLB that the, I don't want to say the D backs are coming because they're still a below 500 team, but over the next few years, they might, they might not be. And they look like a team that's motivated to finish September strong. And right now they're not, of course, going to be close to a playoff spot. They're eight and a half games back behind the, Brewers and Giants for the teams that are out of it. So also they pulled St. Louis Cardinals from 2021. It's not going to happen, but this is a team that looks scary right now. That looks motivated and they want to just crush every playoff team's dreams. Well, and I said this about the Royals and it kind of played true with the nationals as well. The Marlins, these teams that, aren't going to be in the playoffs still have a lot to play for because these guys, I mean, I said it about the Padres and kind of like playing, working their entire lives to play in the postseason. Well, I mean, take it a further step back. These guys have played their entire lives to play in the big leagues 
And for some of these guys, it's an open audition to try and prove that they should be on the team next year or prove to another team that they should be on their team next year. So there's a lot to play for. And like I said, if you think the Diamondbacks are going to roll over just because they're out of the playoff race, you are sorely mistaken. And the three guys, the Potters are going to be rolling out for this series, Blake Snell on Monday, Joe Musgrove on Tuesday, and you Darvish on Wednesday. Three best guys. I mean, that's great. I'd rather have them go against the Dodgers and have a chance of winning those games. But at the same time, you're your three best guys. Go win these three games. It. I'm not going to say they need to win these three games. In fact, I'm not going to predict them to win these three games. But you have your best three guys. You're, you're giving it your best shot against this Diamondbacks team that is playing really well. And baseball reference has them at a 1%, a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. I mean, theoretically, they come to San Diego and they continue to play really good baseball and they sweep the Padres or they at least take two out of three. They gain ground on a playoff spot. That's the reality of it. So uh, essentially, you have a chance to kill the Diamondbacks. Um, we talked about it with the Giants this past week, and I, you know, I said the Padres killed the Giants. The Giants turned right around and swept a playoff, a team fighting for a playoff spot. So you can't really know for certain, but an opportunity for the Padres to go out there and kind of, you know, defeat a team that's like really hungry, and especially if you turn around on Monday after Sunday at baseball and you deliver a nice big punch that could really stun them. And then with Merrill Kelly on the mound in game two, uh, a guy who has just killed the Padres in the past, uh, you're, you're going to be feeling a lot better. So I think game one's really important. And I think it's up to Blake Snell to really set the tone on Monday. Yeah, and for this next series, uh, like you said, Padres best three guys will be pitching, which means two out of, the three of the Padres best guys will not be pitching in the next Dodgers series, which of course we want our best guys out. Oh, the Padres will want their best guys out there on the mound, but it's even more important to win these games against the D backs than to win the games against the Dodgers, because no matter who the Padres pitch against the Dodgers, probably still going to lose. We want to throw the Padres want to throw out their three best guys against a team that they want to crush and they want to just push it to them in two out of three or just three games. And Snell, Musgrove, and Darvish give the Padres the best chance at winning. Of course, Clevenger has been good this year, of course, but these three guys have easily been the best. Snell's coming off a six-inning shutout performance. Musgrove's coming off an 11K performance, and Darvish is coming off his seven-inning shutout performance. So all three of these guys are looking good. Their stuff's looking good. They've been shut- pitching shutout ball, and if they can keep that going against this D-backs team, that'd be great. And thank goodness the Padres do not have to face that gallon, honestly. I think his next start is at Coors. We don't need to worry about that. But that's um, <laughs> yeah. He he went. He one of his last few starts was at Coors, and he was a shutout. But I'm just glad the Padres don't have to face him as soon because, I mean, when the Padres play top-notch pitchers, I mean, a lot of the time it just it's tough to watch. It just beat Dustin May this past week. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah but I mean, Merrill Kelly's of course still great. He's 2.84 ERA right now. Just went seven shutout in his last start. He's been pitching six, seven innings into ball games. He had, I mean, I don't want to say subpar, but for him, a subpar month of August where he allowed three runs twice, one and run or four and runs once, but he did go deep into the game. But the other guys in the series, I mean, I'm just not too scared. Tommy Henry on the, in the last game, 4.83 ERA. He didn't start pitching until he's 25 years old. Didn't start pitching until this August. And then 
Ryan Nelson, who I mean, unless I'm pretty sure this might this could be his debut. I don't see anything on him. He's 24 years old from Henderson, Nevada, but I just don't I don't see anything on him right now. So this could be his debut. I mean, looks like he's a reliever. Unless I'm just missing something, but Padres definitely we do say this a lot, but have the upper hand in the lineup, in the bullpen, and on the mound this series. But I mean, either way, it's a hot team, and they will want to. Both teams will have something to play for this series. And Ryan Nelson, who will be starting that first game against the Padres, uh, is going to be making his major league debut. So an opportunity for the Padres to really jump on him. Uh, A guy making his debut uh, on the road versus a team that's going to be coming off Sunday Night Baseball on a tough loss. It's it's an interesting game, to say the least, and certainly one that... uh, you know, you're you're really thankful that you're facing a rookie making his debut on the road. If this ends up like baseball. some. Sorry to call you off. If this if this ends up like some Tyler Gilbert, actually, we I, like, I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave uh, and no. never return. Yes, Bobby and I were both at that uh, Tyler Gilbert no hitter <laughs> in Arizona last year against the Padres. It was kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, certainly that week, but yeah. So Ryan Nelson. And then Merrill Kelly, who has been really good this year, 2.84 ERA, uh, 3.1 FIP in 164 innings, haunted the Potters in the past. And then they'll be throwing Tommy Henry, like you mentioned, 4.83 ERA in 31 innings and just 23 strikeouts. So uh, I, I think I think the Potters can do it. I think they should win two out of three this series. Uh, I, I like the pitching matchups that are out there for them. It's going to be Musgrove going against Kelly. I mean, that's kind of the guy that has been the stopgap for the Padres. Every time something's going wrong, Musgrove goes out and shoves. So even if the Padres do lose on Monday, coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, going up against Monroe Kelly, Musgrove's always been that guy that stepped up for the Padres. He's never been the guy that he's had bad starts. Do not get me wrong, but it's always been kind of like when things aren't going bad or they're going good, which is kind of the same thing. So that's the way to look at it. As for the bats, Bobby and I have kind of talked about it throughout this podcast. Uh, Josh Rojas has been a good hitter for them this year. Uh, so has Dalton Varsho, Jake McCarthy. Uh, Emmanuel Rivera has been really good for them. He's been a, a recent addition. You'll probably see him playing third. Christian Walker has been really good, especially against lefties. So watch out for him against Snell in that first game. Catel uh, Marte has been a dependable guy for the Diamondbacks playing second base. Uh, the power numbers are pretty far down after uh, another good year last year. So, I mean, it's a lineup that's good, and I didn't even mention uh, Alec Thomas was their top prospect previously, and then their top prospect now and the top prospect in all of baseball, depending on where you look at it. Corbin Carroll, he's just 5 for 22 entering on Sunday. Baseball reference hasn't updated, so I couldn't tell you how he did on Sunday, a game that they won, but a uh, super exciting player, uh, insanely fast guy. Like you're, you're going to see him run down some balls. You're going to see him leg out some base hits. Uh, Stone Garrett, another young player they called up. He's batting 400 going into Sunday. Uh, he's been really good for them. So a lot of young talent trying to prove to their front office that they should be on this team next year or trying to prove to another front office that they should be on their team next year. Padres cannot roll over against the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and 
again, a little bit more about this lineup. I mean, Christian Walker has been a huge power bat this year. 31 home runs, easily the team lead. Dylan Varsho, 20 home runs. Um, fun fact, I mean, not really. You don't want to hear this. Seth Beer still has one home run on the year. Um, we know which one that was. but oh, I didn't know that. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's played 38 games all year. Like, he hasn't been on the active roster. I just saw he still has one home run. So that kind of kind of makes me mad. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, Ketel Marte hasn't been the player he, he was when he was an MVP candidate a few years ago. But, again, like a lot of the guys in this lineup are just fun, young talent. Carson Kelly, Alec Thomas. I mean, I'm excited to see Corbin Carroll. He's 5 for 25, a 5'11 OPS. I mean, he's still yet to hit his first career home run, but he's only played six games. So, he he's gonna be a star in this league, and I'm excited to see him this series. But overall, I mean, this is a, a lineup that the Padres easily have the talent over, and the Padres have all the talent over them in the series. But again, like you just said, I mean, Giants just swept the Brewers, so we'll see what happens this series. If the Padres can take two or three, that'd be amazing. And I mean, some guys in this lineup for the Padres have just been cold. I mean, Soto's like two or four for his last 19. Somehow, still with a 370 OPS over however many games. I mean, he had two hits on Sunday's game, still drew two walks. I mean, of course, we know how amazing his play discipline is. Pitchers don't want to pitch to him, but I think this could be a great series for Soto to break out. Yeah. You got anything else you want to touch on or no? Um, yeah, one thing. I just want to talk about Tim Hill for a sec. I mean, he hasn't allowed an earned run since I was just looking at his game log. He hasn't allowed an earned run since July 1st. He hasn't allowed, I mean, I don't know if this counts inherited runs or not, but his game log has shown zero runs since July 4th. Um, so Tim Hill's just been great for this team. I mean, 2.75 ERA in the in the, the Padres bullpen, zero ERA in the month of August, over eight innings, 1.69 in July, over 10 innings. He's just been a great guy in this bullpen, and I really want to see more of him because he's pitching in, in a lot of losses, and they're not on him. So... I'd like to, I mean, his ERA has just been dropping, dropping throughout the entire year. I mean, from 5.23, the day of his last earned run to 2.75, two months later. So Tim Hill has been an underappreciated guy in this bullpen who has been super fun to watch this year, actually, when he does pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I know for a fact that it doesn't count the inherited runs, but uh, that that's still really impressive. And it's weird because he hasn't been striking out guys like he was uh, his first two years of the Padres. Uh, yeah, 22 Ks and 39 innings. So, yeah. But, I mean, when you see numbers like that where the strikeouts are much lower than the innings and the guy's got a low ERA, normally their FIP fielder independent pitching uh, is higher, representing the fact that they're kind of getting lucky, but his isn't. It's a 2.84 compared to 2.75 entering Sunday. So, uh, he's been really good. I, I talked about it last episode. I think this bullpen has the ability to be an anchor for this Padres pitching staff. Uh, and it was pitching really well on Sunday Night Baseball with the exception of Adrian Marajon, who had been really good for the Padres. So we'll see about that. I uh, really hope that Marajon can bounce back. And the last time he had an implosion ending, uh, he was able to be really good after that. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Devil's Talking Padres. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, it was a pretty long episode, but I, f- I feel like Bobby and I did a good job of talking about our stuff. Uh, obviously, there was a lot to talk about with this Dodgers series and a, a, a massive series upcoming against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Every series is massive now, 
So that that's kind of what we're going to be looking at here. Maybe some uh, some more long episodes. Uh, make sure to follow Bobby and I on Twitter. You can find me at DMster19. You can find Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000. Uh, make sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. And with that, we will wrap this one up. We hope to catch you on the next episode after the series against the Diamondbacks. Go Padres.